Hello, this is Pastor Patrick Hines, and I'd like to press on with a few verses at a time in the Old Testament book that we're reading, Nehemiah. Uh, the first chapter I did as a live uh, program, I think it was live on my brother's channel, Richard Moore's channel. I'm going to try to download that video so that the playlist is on my channel and also on his channel. Uh, so there's like a, you know, my stuff's being mirrored, but I know there's some people that subscribe to my channel that don't uh, subscribe to his, so I just want to make sure it's in both places. But let's go ahead and press on here in Nehemiah chapter 2. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad, since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. <clears throat> and that's the end of verse 2. So here you have Nehemiah. <clears throat> he had just heard the report uh, that came back to him from his brother Hanani and others that had come back to uh, Persia there where they were in captivity. And Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer, and he, he hears this terrible report of how things are in Jerusalem. The wall is broken down, the people of God are in reproach. Uh, the gates are burned with fire, and so on and so forth. <laughs> and he is devastated by the news that the people of God there in Jerusalem that have come back with Ezra and others um, are not doing well, and that uh, things are, are bad there, and that the people of God are in reproach, and the gates are burned with fire, and it's a mess. So Nehemiah wept and fasted and prayed for many days, and also made a specific prayer request at the end of chapter 1 that God would grant him success, in the eyes of this man. And this man he's talking about is King Artaxerxes because Nehemiah is about to make a pretty gutsy request here, but he still looks really sad. And as King Artaxerxes is getting ready to you know, drink some wine here, um, Nehemiah is visibly very upset. Now that was dangerous uh, at this time because if, a, if the subjects of a king appeared to be sad, it reflected badly on the king. Uh, and made it seem like he wasn't doing a good job ruling his kingdom. If the people are sad and are, are very unhappy, uh, it makes it seem like he's not doing a good job of ruling his kingdom. And so uh, the king asks him, why is your face sad? In verse 2, since you are not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. So King Artaxerxes can tell, Nehemiah doesn't normally look like this. As Nehemiah himself said, I've never been sad in his presence before. But Nehemiah was a man of deep feeling and deep passion, and it was very clear, very obvious that uh, he was very upset and that it was not because he was sick. It was sorrow of heart. So Nehemiah is afraid because he's thinking, you might have me struck dead um, because I look so sad. So verse 3 says, and said to the king, I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Okay, so he tells him it's not has nothing to do with you, king. You know, may the king live forever. I love you. You're a great king. But it's because the city of my birthplace, the city of my fathers and where my fathers are buried, is wasted and destroyed and its gates are burned with fire. Verse 4, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, that's one thing you notice throughout the book of Nehemiah. In fact, when I preached through Nehemiah, I highlighted this in some of the early sermons that the book is peppered with little statements like this, where Nehemiah suddenly prays. Uh, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, this couldn't have been a very long prayer, because when the king asks you a question, what do you request? You can't, you know, take a day to go pray about it. You answer his question. 
So this is a man, Nehemiah, who had a constant line of prayers going up to God throughout the day. Before he opens his mouth, it had to have been a real quick one, like, you know, Lord, help me, please help me to speak wisely. Help me to, you know, please anoint my mouth or Lord, help. It just could have been real short prayer. But he, he recognizes he needs God's help. I would encourage you all, um, if you're being asked a question or someone needs your counsel, and it's a difficult situation or a difficult uh, question, you know, before you open your mouth and start talking, say these little prayers like this. Lord, help me to speak with wisdom here. Lord, give me wisdom to give this person good counsel, good advice. So he does that at the end of verse 4 there. So I prayed to the God of heaven. He threw, threw up a real quick one. Verse 5, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, Nehemiah had to have had a, a good relationship with the king, because he's the king's cupbearer. He had to have been someone who was trustworthy. And that's one thing you notice about God's people throughout uh, the Bible. Even when they were in uh, captive lands, when they, when they were captive in other people's lands, in pagan lands, uh, very often they uh, were elevated to high positions. Think of Daniel. Uh, Daniel was, you know, an advisor to to King Nebuchadnezzar and did, you know, was a, a favorite there. Uh, Joseph, uh, when he was in Egyptian slavery, was, you know, ran Potiphar's house. When he was in prison, he ran the prison. Um, and when he was elevated to uh, leadership there in Egypt, he becomes second in command to the Pharaoh himself. And so it was pretty remarkable. I want to encourage uh, everyone, no matter what kind of a situation that you find yourself in, just remember that people can tell if the Lord is with you or not by the way you conduct yourself. If you have integrity and you work hard and you um, don't despair and don't say, you know, my situation is too hard, if I'm in a really bad marriage or a really bad work situation or whatever, just work hard, have integrity, and do um, everything you do for the glory of God. That's what Joseph did when he was, you know, sold into slavery. Uh, that's what Daniel did and his friends, uh, his godly friends, whose uh, uh, Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I always think it'd be better if we remembered their Hebrew names. I think it was Hananiah, Azariah, and um, what's the other one's name? Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, I think was, was the other guy's name. Um, so they... Uh, were godly in the midst of very difficult circumstances, life-threatening circumstances. Here's the same thing. Um, Nehemiah uh, is being godly. He was a trustworthy man. He was trustworthy enough to be the king's cupbearer, the guy that would taste wine before it was handed to the king. So if somebody was going to die, it would be, you know, this guy. But that person had to be a, a trustworthy individual, which Nehemiah was. So he obviously had a good relationship with King Artaxerxes here. And he tells him, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad because of the fact that my, my homeland is, has been destroyed and the city where my fathers are buried is, is destroyed with fire. Verse 6, and he requires, verse 5, he requests, let me go back there. Let me go back so I can rebuild the city. Now remember, um, the city had been destroyed. Um, when the when the Babylonians uh, took took it and took all the people of Israel, uh, the people of Judah, into captivity, <clears throat> pardon me. And so here Nehemiah is asking, "Can I go back to this conquered city and rebuild it?" Verse six. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, "How long will your journey be, and when will you return?" So it pleased the king to send me, and I set send set him a time. 
So it's pretty pretty amazing. God answers Nehemiah's request to have success in this request to be able to go back to Judah and rebuild the city, rebuild the, the wall around Jerusalem. But I want one thing I emphasized as I preached through the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah definitely does want to rebuild the wall, but his end game is much is much more grand than this. What he really wants to have is a giant worship service where the nation and everyone that's left in it will, on a national scale, confess their sins to God, repent, and then resolve to be godly and to be obedient again to the Lord. So he does want to rebuild it, but he does want uh, to have a national worship service and to have the Feast of Tabernacles and to have a time of reading and hearing and preaching of the Word of God. And so King Artaxerxes says, okay, well, when are you coming back? Just let me know when you're going to come back. In verse 7, Nehemiah is emboldened by this. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. So Nehemiah is already thinking ahead. He's like, I'm going to need letters from you with your seal on them so that I can get safe passage through here back to where we're going. Verse 8, he also asks, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple, for the city wall, and for the house which I will occupy. And the, the king granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. So here, Nehemiah asked for permission, go back to Judah from captivity. He's the king's cupbearer. He's an important man. Can I go back and rebuild the city of my father's? Yeah, sure. When are you going to come back? Also, can I can I have letters for safe passage with all of your local officials in that area? Yeah, sure. Can I have wood, too, to rebuild everything and to make myself a house there? And the king grants all these requests to him. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And Nehemiah recognizes this is because of the good hand of my God upon me. Verse 9, then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So he's actually going with a military escort sponsored by the king. So the these Persian captains and horsemen accompany Nehemiah and the group that comes back to Jerusalem with him. Verse 10, when Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Now, there's an iconic passage right there, because there are a lot of people in the world who get very upset. They're all quiet, and they're purring like little kittens until someone gets a vision to try to forward the kingdom of God. Someone wants to stand in the gap and uh, preach on the things where the church is losing ground. Then all of a sudden, Sambalot, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, hear of it. And they're upset that anyone would seek the well-being of the children of Israel. It's kind of the way it is today. The progressives and the liberals, they're all fine and dandy as long as everybody's quiet. But as soon as you start preaching the true gospel, and as soon as you start standing up where the church is being attacked and losing ground on very serious doctrines like women in ministry and the LGBT issues and creation versus evolution and the true gospel and all sorts of other things, now all of a sudden people who hate God and hate the gospel now they're deeply disturbed that a man has come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. So I just want to warn you, and I issued many warnings to the congregation here as I preached through Nehemiah not too long ago. If you have a desire to preach the truth and a desire to stand in the gap where the church is losing ground, watch out. Watch out. 
because you become a marked person who will be deeply hated and despised uh, by many. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Nehemiah. He is going to experience all kinds of opposition in this regard because he had the audacity, the audacity to seek the well-being of the people of God. So that's what's going to happen. We'll pick up next time a few verses at a time in this Old Testament book of Nehemiah and Nehemiah 2.11. But until then, thanks for watching or for listening.